Okay, praise the Lord for everyone in this room is the remnant of God. Amen. I can't really start to Yeah, they're filling up pretty fast. Well, we have Nigel. I dumped a bucket of water on him one time just by accident. And he's always forgiving me. Every time I see him, I always think about forgiveness. And cleanliness. Thank you guys so much. We're in uh, week two of the Fundamentals of the Faith. I pray that you had a chance to go online and listen. And human nature tells me you probably didn't. So what I did for you as a little help, you can look at your handout. If you need a handout, there's one in the back. Everybody have a handout? You walk past them there. Melissa, did you get the handout? If you pass them, they're $10.99 um, each. You won't need them. What? What? Is that a paper Oh, why don't you throw that in my face? Yeah. Do you want my people to stand up and yeah, so you yeah, can yeah. take those chairs too? And, if you guys just want to come in here and uh, go yeah. to the class, you can. And they'll make about five trips. How many trips do you need here, brother? Oh, man. I'm sorry. I, just... I was trying to direct the traffic down the hall, but they just kept going over there. It's fine. It's fine. So if you look at your handout and go back in a couple pages, like three or four pages there, you'll see that the topic says, why know the Bible? Tell me if you see that. Why know the Bible? Um, <clears throat> so it's why know the Bible, how to know the Bible, read it, uh, study it, memorize it. Anyway, my point is, um, I, I gave you the answers. All right, that's a pretty good professor like to give the answer to the test. Yeah, oh yeah. When I pass the test at QAD, I usually go out there and gives me the answers and it's easy to Bow and arrow. I just have to learn how to write that. But anyway, yeah, so I did this for a reason. Um, technically, you get the most out of it when you go to the website, gty.org forward slash FOF, and download the message or listen to it and then listen along, fill in the blanks. If you can't do that and you don't have time to do it, you might want to look at this particular handout. It gives you all the fill in the blanks. So, uh, knowing the Bible, those who hear the Word of God and observe it, and number two, read the Word and give the sense and so that people understood it, and then it just gives all the answers, and you have a chance to look up Scripture, ponder on this, so you'll, you'll know it a little bit better. I would still recommend that you just listen to the sermon. You don't have to download anything now, because um, they gave you the teacher's copy with the answers, which will kind of walk through that together. So... I just made a copy of my PowerPoint as well. You know, it's not anything more than what we're doing, uh, it, most of it. And uh, so let's, so let's open the prayer first of all, can we? Father, again, we're thankful that we can meet and talk about your word. This may be the most important topic because of our doctrine, um, Don's systematic theology, 
of Rich, his understanding of the tone, all that comes from the scripture and how we interpret the scripture, how we read it, understand it, and how we possess it for ourselves is really the foundation. So that's why you call it the fundamentals of the faith. It is the foundation to all of our faith. So thank you, Lord, for it. Give us insight. And uh, we pray that everything we say and do will please you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we start off with uh, what we call the memory verse, 2 Timothy 2.15. Um, and it says to do your best, to do your best, to present yourself to God as one approved. Um, again, it's, this is a neat part because he's, he's saying, look, all the things we've invested in you, everything, the grace of God that was given to you, Jesus Christ paid for your your sin. He gave you new life. The Holy Spirit lives in you now to present yourself to God as a, as a proof. You know, do your best. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Now, in the book, it, it reminds us that rightly um, handling the word of truth means to cut it straight, um, accurately cutting it straight, which means, you know, again, like if you're cutting fabric or whatever, wood, metal, whatever it is, the idea is not to be all over the place, is that we rightly divide that, we cut it straight, and, um, and then we won't make any error in that. So it's our, it's our job to make sure that we interpret the scripture the way it was written. I think, I mean, we were saved, see, and I got saved in 1990, but um, I mean, there are lots of different ways, but we were saved in Protestants, so we knew that we were saved by grace through faith. Um, and there were a lot of changes in our life, so I could see the evidence of that. But primarily, uh, we didn't really learn to, to really rightly divide the Word of God till later. And the more we learned how the, the intent, uh, we would not take things out of context once we understood that the text was the context. That's what we had to understand. What did God mean by what he said? If I said, what is truth, how would you define that? Anybody? By saying, what is truth? You know, Pilate asked Jesus that. What is truth? Thy word is truth. Right. Anybody have anything else? Right. Christ and his word is truth. But here's, here's a good thing to know. That understanding the scripture based on what God meant by what he said is critical. What do you mean by what he said? It's not a magic trick, so every little word and every prepositional word or phrase or conjunction, every, every letter uh, has some mystical power. In the context of what he's, who's he speaking to and how you interpret that, we call that hermeneutics, is the key to understanding what God meant by what he said. If you understand who he's talking to, what he meant by what he said, you understand it. I mean, you could take it way out of context and say, you know, Jesus went, I mean, uh, Judas went out and hung himself. He said, well, I guess God wants me to hang myself. I mean, that's pretty bizarre, but I mean, if you took it that literal and you didn't understand the context of what he's doing there and understand what God is saying, you would take it out of context. Now, this is the one reason the men, our young men are going to the seminary, is they're trying to learn to rightly divide the word, cut it straight, interpret what God meant by what he said and so um, that would be hermeneutics is critical more than homiletics was just the art of of preaching so let's keep going here so 
I say this, that grass truths of Scripture so it will be the main part of your life. This is why you want to be here. You want to, you want to be motivated to grasp the Scripture as the main part of your life. You want, to, you want to be able to think through that, and so that is part of your life. Everything you're encountered with day to day should go through the lens of what you know the Scripture says, and that will protect you. That's how God protects you. Not only that, it makes the Spirit come alive. Remember we said this once before, the Holy Spirit, power of God, that enlightens you, turns on the light so you can understand the scripture. He uses the scripture, so the, the power, so he says, the spirit of God uses the word of God in the child of God. i repeat this a few times. Because he doesn't use the word of God to produce a will uh, to understand the scripture. So he does, he does, he helps you understand the scripture because the, the spirit of God works in the child of God. To interpret, to produce the will of God, really is what it is, to produce the will of God. What is the will of God? Look at Romans 12, you know, that you will present your bodies a living sacrifice, that you will be part of his work. He will, you'll be a conduit for the grace of God to work through you to impact others, to have the, the gospel go forth. Um, and it's not so you can have everything you want. It's not so you can be happy and all the time. It's not anything man-centered. Everything is Christ-centered. So... We're trying to find the will of God, and it's empowered by the Spirit of God using the Word of God. If you take one of those elements out, you disrupt the entire cycle, the process. And it says to bring him glory, the glory of God. So God wants to be glorified in our lives. Whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, you know, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, you do it for the glory of God. So sometimes that's, that's like new stuff for new people. Sometimes they don't know that. Um, I do have a couple... At least one of my older sons has a wrong theology. He's a he's a Pentecostal, but he's he's kind of has this. He's a, he knows everybody. He knows everything in the scripture. On the quizzing team, he did well as a kid, but he went another direction because he wants God to make him spiritually alive and have this power instead of the scripture being the power. He wants to have the power. He's looking for God to do this in his life or that in his life. And quite often when I talk to him, he's waiting for breakthroughs and he's out, you know, he's walking the walk uh, seven times around his building. He's doing all these things that make him powerful. And that's not really the reason things aren't happening in times because that wasn't God's will. You're not going to rob God glory and find peace of God in your heart. So that's important. So you never own the scripture. What do you mean own the scripture? When you read this and you say, I love this scripture, talks to me, speaks to me, it's pay dirt. I love this. This is my pastor. This is my passage. I want this. You never own a scripture for yourself until you find at least three ways to practice it in your own life. That's a pretty simple thing, but I want you to know that that's really true. I mean, most of the scripture I memorize, I put it into practice. My counselor helped me years ago. I guess it would be 30 years next month. Um, to just find ways to practice the scripture. As a new Christian, I had trouble with this or this and that. And like a, like a rifle, he would target in on something instead of general saying, just read your Bible, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm not making fun of the daily bread, but that's, that is a watered-down version of what God really wants to do specifically in your life. I mean, he wants to you know, find out where your weaknesses are, and that's what God wants you to target in on. And once you find 
three ways to practice that. You own that scripture. Most of them I didn't sit down to memorize. Most of them I memorized through, the, through use of the scripture over and over again. It's very helpful. So why do we need the scripture? Why? It's a good question. Um, first of all, is to prepare ourselves for service. So again, I know that you may find some other places to, to serve the Lord in this church. But primarily, a ministry of the word takes preparation in the word. There are people that come all the time to us, especially Pastor Jeff. And they, I, I'm, I've been called to the mission field, and they have very little experience about scripture. They have very little uh, depth in the scripture. They haven't been in the church very long. One, I can remember when I first got here, this about five, six years ago, The um, one guy came up and said, told Pastor Jeff this, I, I want to be a missionary, and God is calling me to a mission field. He's like, oh, okay, so you just want to plug them in and then help them to get connected and then get trained and get prepared. He's like, no, we're going to North Korea. I was like, no, I said, the best we can do for you is QAD right now. If you want to work in North Korea, that's about the best we can do. I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't say that. But you see what I'm saying is that he wasn't willing to start in a lowly position or something where somebody needs them. He wanted to go right to North Korea with what? You're not prepared to go to North Korea. So we didn't say it wasn't good to go. You know, we're saying it's not time. And so here's the principle for preparing yourself for service. Whatever you want Lord to do, you should involve your elders to make sure they're guiding and directing you through this process because you never, you never want to went. You always want to be sent. So if you just went, we've lost people in our church that we wouldn't uh, lay hands on to teach or to serve in a particular ministry, lead something, preach something, and they left, and they went to other churches, and they went. And they're still lost and roaming around, and you know God is still trying to get them to settle in and be in submission to the church. You always want to be sent in whatever you do. That's, so we need the Bible so we can prepare for service. Uh, somebody look up 1 Peter 3.15, if you would. It should be a pretty common one. When you find it, just read it. It's good. We're going to have a little Bible work today. Go ahead, anybody. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Yep. Amen. So you want to do it with gentleness and respect is the very end of that passage. So the idea is that you're ready and prepared to do that, um, to share the hope that you have. I would say this, are you, you know, are you comfortable with sharing the gospel? Because that's the one consistent mandate we have as if and thinking in terms of wartime, you know, you have your battle rifle. You have to be good with it. You just don't go into you don't go into combat without some basic thoughts. You may not be really well trained. You're not going out there as an army ranger or whatever. It's right straight out of boot camp. But you have a lot of use, and you're very familiar with particular parts. As a Christian, we should be armed with the gospel. The gospel is the number one thing we should be armed with. So, and preparing for service. Also, we want to know the scripture because it sanctifies our lives. You can't go around that. It can control your behavior, but God changes your heart. 
And so to sanctify your lives, he says in John 17, sanctify them with your word. Your word is truth. And then 1 Peter 1, 14 through 19. Somebody look that one up for me. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 19. Just read it aloud when you find it. Amen. Now, the idea is this, is that you want to learn as much of the scripture as you can, but remember that initially you're, you're, you're investing the scripture in your heart that it starts sanctifying you, and so the, the journey changes your character and your disposition. That If the journey's not changing you, then it's just intellectual. They don't make you haughty and arrogant. You'll be prideful because you have lots of knowledge and it hasn't transformed you. So just as a, as a believer walking through the scripture, learning the scripture, is that you're looking for ways to apply the scripture, practice them. Uh, in Hebrews 5.14, it says that those who are mature learn to practice these things so they could discern what is good and evil. The point is we have to practice this. So remember, sanctifying your lives is a journey. It's the primary journey. It's, the, it's really the part that brings you into a character and the likeness of Jesus Christ. So we have to be... The word of God has to be life-changing in our heart. And it does a little bit of time. God's going to take you through the sanctifying process. If you belong to him, he'll take you through that process. And sometimes there'll be a lot of rough things you have to go through because you haven't yet submitted to him. So it's important. So why do we need the Bible again? Well, it's God's will that we dwell on the word of God and obey it. Uh, somebody look up Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16. It's God's will that we dwell on the word and then obey it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Amen. So there's a word he, he used there when it talks about admonishing um, and, and teaching. Those words, the word we use in counseling quite often, and it's, it's a word that helps you understand that you're pondering, you're in and dwelling on this word of God. How much time or what is competition? What is the competition in your own life um, in, that keeps you from dwelling on the word of God? I mean, what do you do on a regular basis in your life that keeps you from being involved, pondering, thinking, learning, and uh, love, falling, love and just always working through the scripture? That's the one thing I had to do. I tried to say, because I had two and three and four jobs when I first was saved. Uh, Cindy stayed home as a stay-at-home mom, quit the department, went and stayed home. And I pick up all these jobs. And I had to find lots of creative ways to keep hiding the word of God in my heart because it was an ongoing work. It's ongoing work. And so it's God's will that you dwell on it and you obey the scripture. So understanding the scriptures is another reason why we need to, so it helps Christians know God more deeply. 
Now this is five, uh, John 5, 39 is a scripture I'll tell you a little bit about as soon as somebody reads that. John 5, 39. That's the only one we'll use tonight. Right. You search the scriptures because you think in them, in other words, that alone, a separate from God, um, will give you eternal life apart from God. Remember, God is the one who gives you eternal life. He's he's implying here that the scripture invested in your life helps you know God better, which helps helps your relationship with God better. I think the biggest problem we have today with so much technology and so many educations and degrees and opportunities and like we're having systematic theology taught in the church for laity and that was only reserved for pastors at one time and we're so we're learning so much today we sometimes we look we're, we're sort of inept when it comes to our relationship with god do you when you're about to sin do you think about the lord jesus christ i mean or are you thinking about a rule uh, is there a rule or a law that you're avoiding or is it really about this relationship let me tell you something knowing God in that level that you know he's alive, you know you can't see him. You know that he's fully capable of everything you see in the miracles. He's, he saved you. You saw the forgiveness of sin, the burden of sin, and the guilt being lifted in your own life at salvation. And it's much more difficult to sin against God that you know than a rule to try to keep. Really. And so he's, the reason we need to know the Bible is because we're trying to know the person of the Bible. It's the single theme throughout the scripture, Jesus Christ. So you never want to get away from that. My older boys, I taught them religious system, and they were very systematic. We were doing quizzing. Every, they went through everything. They were in church five days a week, and they're not serving the Lord. And they know more about the Bible probably than my bottom three guys. And the bottom three guys have a relationship with Jesus Christ and pray to him like, like he know, they know him. And so, therefore, you want to make sure that you know the scripture is to know who God is, and that's the key, main key of that. So, hear the Bible, Romans 10, 17, um, is important. Now, it's a whole system here we're using. You can see that in there. Um, and so, we want to hear the Bible. And um, you've got to stay under the Word of God. It's not the same just you know, perusing through the TV and trying to find a TV preacher, even though I take notes and I think about some. I go by topics, certain teachers and preachers, how they exegete something or they talk through it. But there's nothing like sitting under your pastor because the Word of God was designed to be given to him, through him, for you. And it's a wonderful thing to, to um, stay under the word of God and be with the people of God who are your family of God, who will take care of you in a time of need. Stay under the teaching. Know the difference between man's opinions through cultural trends and truth. You have to know the difference. So there's a lot of people who have opinions about the scripture and topics and church and other spiritual things. Uh, you can find those anywhere in culture. But uh, find out somebody who really rightly divides the word of God and you're going to find some rich truth that is transforming. Because if you have the spirit of God in you, that's what the spirit of God lives on is this transforming truth. Um, supplement 
your listening and learning by online TV preaching and teaching. I just said don't do it, but there are some particular guys that are helpful. I, I think um, safe, compatible websites, I call them, would be MacArthur at gty.org. And there's 3,800 or 4,000 sermons. If you go to that website, you can Google, up, I mean, just put a search box, what scripture you want or what topic you want, and it'll come up and it'll give you 10 options. Uh, and you can listen to all the sermons or some of them, and Cindy and I will pick out something, and, and he'll work it through. And we're like, wow, we didn't see that. You know, we didn't see that working through, taking our Bible and following along. So there's a lot of neat things that we can do because of technology. It can keep you from the Word of God or it can, you know, saturate you in the Word of God. One Passion Ministries is one of my favorites. We do that every morning. Steve Lawson, he's got a squeaky voice if you can get past that. Um, you know, he's, it's fine. You know, I'm just a little critical. God's still helping me. But um, but he's but he is amazing teacher and preacher, amazing duties. So he does uh, a, a real fast devotional, and then he does a one-hour Bible study. It depends on how much time you have. But these are guys you should have podcasts that you should have outlined, uh, or at least earmarked for that. It's wonderful. It's supplemental, especially if you had a busy week and you hadn't had a chance to get to the Word. Uh, it's nice to pump in there some of those good things. Maybe it's late or early, and you can... So sometimes we'll get up really early and we'll sit and listen to a few of them, write down some notes, have a discussion about them before we do our own stuff. Um, it's very important. Truth for Life is uh, Alistair Begg. He's another guy that's, uh, he's got a brand new devotions out. I'll just tell you, he's got volume one and two. They're brand new. Uh, I bought them for my kids. I had to order them six months ago, but they came in before Christmas, and that was all their Christmas gifts for the four older boys, volumes one and two. And, um, and it's a 365-day devotion that is solid. I mean, when you read it, um, and I'm, I'm not saying it's bad, but there's, you know, there's not a, there's not a, a weak thought in there. It really takes you on a journey and thinking, thinking it through. And then there's a Bible memorization below that. Truth for life, Alistair Begg. Uh, Founders Baptist Church with Richard Caldwell. I've been sort of like that. Been going to that website. The guy's systematically teaching through Matthew. He is a killing machine as it comes to the Word of God. I mean, I expected him to be called to go to MacArthur after MacArthur dies. I mean, that, that's how good he is. It won't happen, I'm sure. Um, Richard's probably in his late 50s. He's probably 56 or 7 or 8. He's up there. But, um, you know, he's, he's a good dude. You're going to like him. It's called Founders Baptist Church. Another plug, I put him in there too because it's a plug because he's teaching our Truth and Light Conference coming up here in March. So he's one of them. He's one of Pastor's friends, and you'll get to meet him. He's an amazing dude, amazing sound teacher. Now, the t- other TV preachers to consider, uh, Paul Washer on the bottom there. He's, that's a strong word, a hard word. Um, so, you know, you have to be prepared that he'll... He, Really, rightly divides the scripture very clear, but I mean, it's you have to go along this journey. He's not into easy believism. Um, all the TES and TMS, which is the Expositors Seminary and the the Masters Seminary teachers and pastors teacher, my son Brent, you know the guy who left here to go work at the hospital up there, he's got a TMS pastor. He's in his D-Men program that Brian went through right now. He's a young guy, but he's we went up visit him at Christmas, and the guy is an amazing teacher. Really strong. So they're in a new, another really good, strong church. Protects your marriage. Helps you 
you know, purge parenting and issues of addiction and all these other things. So staying strong under the word of God is important. Uh, so the other one is reading and studying it. Uh, Revelation 1.3, somebody like to read that? Revelation. That's on the other end of Genesis, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> Amen. There's just there's value in just reading the scripture aloud. Every many times, my kids have been in turmoil and they're upset, uh, maybe anxious about something. I don't know when. Sometimes even in college, I just say, "Let's." I just open the scripture and we just start reading it. You now you read some for one. I just read and they read, and it just there's something about reading the word that's just swirling of truth, helping us get redirect our thinking from our our crisis to what God is promising. And it's 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 sometimes it's very very healthy just to read the scripture. You're not well. I have time to get my pencil out. You don't have to. Sometimes just reading the scripture is very beneficial. Scripture says so. So there's a couple things that I want you to talk about. This translation uh, information, especially if you're new, you sometimes you don't understand some of the translations uh, if they're they're technical or literal. So you have, I say we read all three of them. I do that every time I study or teach. I read all three of the, these translations. A literal, which is a word-for-word accuracy, and that would include the ESV. I'll give you a list of them here in a second. And then there's also what we call the dynamic equivalent. It's a thought-for-thought translation. It's the NLT. And some people are like, oh, man, don't go over there. And I, I like it because the vernacular that we're, we're talking about is our own English vernacular. If I'm going to tell you something... About something else that I'm, I'm, I'm I, one of my hobbies, I'm not going to try to use uh, the formulate my words in the order of biblical Greek. I might use English, but then I might, I'll give you an English word that's out of line from the continuity of using the English language appropriately. You know what I'm saying? So the NLT is kind of a good vernacular uh, everyday language. Um, so I just listened to that. And I want to know what the specific word is, so I, that helps me understand if this guy's interpreting it wrong. So, thought for thought translations are good, and then the free translations. Those are you have to be careful. Those are the amplified, paraphrase, sort of a human narrative uh, translation. And a lot of churches are living on that because they don't really believe in the specific exegesis of truth out of the Scripture. What did this Bible say? What did God meant by what He said? And so they just live on this paraphrase. They paraphrase everything in their life, and that's not good. Paraphrase just gives you a, a sort of a narrative approach to a, a person saying it, helps you formulate in your mind whether what God is really trying to say. Then I go back and validate it in a literal translation. So the King James, New King James, Net Bible, NASB, the, the, the Legacy Bible is the new one that MacArthur and his team uh, spent five years interpreting, reinterpreting. It's really kind of a NASB on, on steroids uh, because he took the word doulos and reinstalled it in the Bible. It used to be just bondservant, and he made it where the real word means slave, and he reinstituted that word back in there. Several of them. There was at least a, you know, 500 good words that he's formulated excellent. And then the ESV, um, I primarily use that one. But those are the literal translations of the Bible. The dynamic equivalents would be the NLT, the NIV, and the, and the NS, uh, NRSV, or St- Revised Standard Version. But 
again, those are, that's not something you want to live on. But uh, what I like another one I'm going to say is I like, I had them highlighted. You can see the NLT is highlighted there because I use it in my counseling center because I have two or three, might even have four of those NLT books because the average person reads about one book a year and only reads at a sixth grade level. And so the, this NLT, when I was reading the, the forward on this book and doing the research on this when it first came out, I found out that it was written on a sixth grade level. And once we started reading it, it was excellent. My, now I've got Otto, my little nephew, my little grandson reading it. I got people reading it. You know, it's, so sometimes it's, it's, not, it's not very intimidating to do the uh, New Living Translation. I don't want to live on it. Uh, I want to be inaccurate, so I want to make sure I, I'm cutting my teeth on a literal translation. But there's nothing wrong with affirming what you're doing by looking at the NLT or the NIV, both of them good uh, dynamic equivalent translations. So we're just talking about some very basics here. And then, of course, the free, tra the free translation would include the message. That was very popular. Does anybody remember when the message came out? I forgot how many years ago, but it's been a long time, the 90s maybe. Um, and the guy that did all the um, editing, I would, it's his life I probably wouldn't give you a plug nickel for. I mean, he's smart. He, he's very capable of translating the Bible, but he was looking to change the culture rather than protect the word. Um, but even in the message, he does pretty much stay around, centered around, what God meant by what he said, and you can get some help there if you're looking to try to interpret this properly. New Living, uh, the Living Bible or the Amplified Bible is the other one that you could use, but it's dangerous by itself. Um, study it, Psalm 119. I won't have you read that whole thing, but we know that that's the longest chapter, longest chapter in the, in the Bible. Um, it's amazing about the Word of God, and, it, and it's that in Psalm 19. It's talking about they want you to study the word of God. And this is where he says, I hide it in my heart. I might not sin against it. And he goes on and on. There's it's some beautiful part of that. The poetry of scripture is nice to be able to memorize it. But if you don't ponder on it and then practice it, you, you, that didn't do you any good. Um, so I say to make sure you are understanding. If you're used to seeing certain words translated, especially like the King James or the uh, RSV or the NASB, you make sure you go and look at some other equivalent, dynamic equivalent passage, maybe a thought for thought Bible, and say, is that what he's saying? What words is he using? Oh, wow, everybody else is using a different word. Now I'm going to show you some of that here in a few minutes um, that's helpful. Use study helps to accurately know the scripture. Let's see if I can find it. Here's a concordance, Bible dictionary, commentaries. Okay. So. Is there anything else on that list that you guys might use to help you enhance your Bible study time? Is there anything missing? These are the basic things. As a new Christian, these are the first three things I bought. Okay? Anybody else find something help? Um, help you study the scripture? John MacArthur has a um, handbook. Sure. Yes. Yes, he has a Bible handbook. Yep. He's got a lot of tools like that. He's got, you know, I'll show you a couple of them. But first thing I did was the um, concordance. I, I got a Strong's concordance. It's kind of the common one. And if you, you can look up the word and it gives you um, 
I look up the scripture, it gives you the word in here, so that it tells you what scripture it is, where to find that. So the concordance is a really neat way to formulate, connect the scriptures, if you will. Uh, everybody should have one of these. Um, the words, uh, Greek and Hebrew dictionaries are involved in the back here as well. They kind of connect those as well. So what was the context of this? It gives you the, the uh, Strong's number. This was probably the the richest one for years and years, Strong's, um, through the 19th century, through the 20th century. And so um, that's one of them. That's just an old one. I use a different one today. I use the ESV version of, of concordance, which is nice. Now, Strong's also had a complete dictionary. So you want a Strong's concordance, but you also want a dictionary. There's another couple dictionaries that are recommended. You can ask your particular pastor or elder to ask you know, their recommendations. Uh, all the younger pastors like John Frame. Uh, John Frame is a theologian in the TES movement. I have a few of his books. He is a brilliant man. Um, but some of these things are foolproof. You can go right to it. It tells you what the Hebrew word is, what the Greek word is. So you, you're not having to read Hebrew and Greek consistently, but you'll, you'll be familiar with the, the words that are common in the, in the language. You should have, there's a hundred different Greek words that you should know as a layman just by normal, just the normal words. Also, <clears throat> this is the one, that, this is not the handbook, but uh, this is the one I recommend. The entire counseling um, exam is in this book. This is called the, the Biblical Doctrine book from MacArthur's. It's pretty new. It's probably five years old. I don't know exactly, but I, I don't know what the exact print on it was, five, ten years old. But he has the whole front end talks about how to use that. Then he talks about all the systematic theology. He talks about, you know, God the Father, the Creator, and he keeps walk, working through these issues. Talks about um, what sovereign work is, what the sovereignty of God is. I mean, he specifically goes after things like the sufficiency of Scripture. And I have five major um, Bible doctrine books, and he's the only one that really exhausts the, the, the idea about sufficiency of Scripture. So I like this book, and it's, it, it coordinates with what pastor's teaching as well. Now, these are, these are only 20 to $30. They're not that much. But those are some basic things I would use. Now, here's a, a book I would highly recommend, um, and you can get this in a lot of different ways, but this is, and some of you have this MacArthur Study Bible. Does anybody have a MacArthur Study Bible? Okay. So if you're in Boundless, you probably cut your teeth in on that, right? It's known, known clay. And so, you know, the entire scripture is on the top. You pick what version. This one is the NASB, NASB, but I have an, an ESV as well. I also have the New King James one. But here's all the scripture. Then below, he takes half the page and explains the key verses. So it's like having your own theologian with you. Um, and Cindy just grew so fast in her knowledge of the scripture. I mean, she has been taking systematic theology over and over for 25 years. Um, so she's done really well because she's really capitalized on a lot of this commentary and, uh, and the extra works. So this is like carrying your Bible dictionary because you have in the back, you have a dictionary. You have a, a reference Bible in the back. You have... Uh, key words, uh, tells you the gospel. There's one whole section on just the gospel. Here's a concordance in the back. So you have, every, it's almost like a, a one-volume everything. There's a one-volume commentary I forgot to bring of MacArthur's as well. I would recommend one-volume commentary. What's yep. that called 
This is called the MacArthur Study Bible. Okay. Yeah. And there's just, you can get it in the, whatever version you're used to. And I grew up under the New King James. I like the New King James. Pastor Jeff and I both were kind of involved in that New King James. Uh, it looked like when Dr. Falwell was coming, it was a, there was a, a change into the New King James at one time. And we were right in that mix. And so we love, I've memorized so many scriptures in New King James, but I was really pleased that MacArthur had uh, New King James, uh, but we use the ESV study Bible now for MacArthur study Bible. So you can get it almost any version that's a literal version. Um, and now they have the, um, the Legacy Bible and in, in, in MacArthur study Bible. And the only one I know has it, unless you have one, you know, is Mark Jacobson. He's got one. And that, he's always bringing it up. And I'm like, I know, but I don't have $100 to spend on that. You know, it's like, it's just, he just laughs. But let me give you a secret weapon. When I was uh, at the, I guess it was in Kansas City, um, Dr. McCarthy came in town and, and we preached. And he was at the conference, the Bible conference there with uh, Rick Holland. But afterwards, we all had questions and answers. And they said to him, look, and tell us what the number one book that helps you formulate your sermon." He said, other than the Bible, we know the Bible, you know, you know the Bible, you look at, he has a Greek and Hebrew Bible he reads from. So we know that. But what about, what's a help book? And um, as soon as he said it, I bought this book years ago. And it's going to be weird, but this is the book that Brian uses, too, as a secret weapon. And, of course, I have it on my Logos software now, my my Bible software to help formulate stuff and lessons, but... We only had them in hard copy back then, right? Because we only had 286 computers or whatever it was. It was called the, it's called the New Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. The New Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. And I'm like, what? I mean, I, I say it again, then maybe we're writing it down, writing it down. And listen to what it does. <clears throat> this is what's weird. Any, this thing looks complicated, but what it is is that any verse you look up in the Bible, any of them, it connects all the other verses that that particular verse talks about. That's how MacArthur jumps all over the place and says, okay, turn your Bible here. It says there's an Acts 1-8, this is what we're doing. And he says, and Nehemiah said this in 18th chapter. Well, it's not because he memorized all that stuff. He knows a lot of it. But this book was the secret weapon, and I always tell people that, and it's it's a little bit of an advance, but this is a book you want in your library because if you're trying to connect something, you're teaching your kids something, using a principle, say if you want to talk about parenting of, um, in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, you can connect everything else that's going to connect with that, whether it be Old Testament or New Testament, right here. As soon as you look it up, boom, it'll give you a list of them right there. You can just go to them and you can see the same words, similar words used or similar context used or the point that he's trying to make. So questions about that? Anybody so far? I get the one volume commentary. We have the sixty word volume, sixty book commentary of MacArthur right here in the library, but uh, and I have them in my office. But the one volume commentary helped me. But it was almost a compilation of the all the, that he does in this in the study Bible. So if you get the study Bible, you'll have almost the same thing. All right. So you memorize it, hide it in your heart. If you have a hard time memorizing scripture, let me just say this to you. Just write it out 20 times, longhand, cursive. Just write it out. Write out the whole scripture 20 times. 
I promise you, will be so close to memorizing. Most people just quit before they get to 20. And they say, I got it, I got it, I got it. Um, the first one I memorized was Ephesians 5.10. Find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Discern what is pleasing to the Lord in ESV. NIV, find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Pretty easy, isn't it? Uh, that's usually what I use in counseling right off the way I say, so let's just memorize the scripture before we leave here. Find out what is pleasing to the Lord. No matter what you do, find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Um, memorize key passages. So anything that directly addresses your sin, that's what you should memorize first. Don't start Genesis 1-1. It's a good one, but don't start out like that. Always look to where your weaknesses are. Some call it sin. We don't want to get in trouble. But let's call it weaknesses, and you should, you should directly uh, memorize things that address that sin issue. Uh, definitive explains the gospel. So you should have all the scriptures that you know where to go with the gospel. You're talking in Romans row. You're talking... Ephesians 2, you know, everything has to do with the gospel. And my most recent time has been 2 Corinthians 5. All those 20-some verses are just amazing verses. They have everything to do with the gospel. Um, and then divinely used by the Holy Spirit in you. We had a guy that went into coma in Seattle when I was pastoring up there. And they called and said, you know, Dr. So-and-so, he's up here and he just had a, he thought he had a heart attack, but it was, um, what, what is that that blows up in your yeah, aneurysm. Yeah. So he was in a coma. And when we got there, um, we were down in Centralia, which is right next to Olympia. But we go up to Seattle Hospital, and um, the ladies are like, this was crazy. But this guy keeps quoting all these things. And finally, somebody recognized that it was the scripture. And they got their Bible, and he was quoting chapters, chapters and books of the Bible while he was in a coma. Yeah. You know, what will come out of your heart? When they put you to sleep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, was, I was very convinced. I was like, whoa. Uh, this guy was just hit a lot of the scripture in your heart because it's what the Spirit of God will use. Uh, meditate on it as to ponder, to think upon prayerfully with a goal to a fuller understanding and application. Okay? If you want to look at the scripture, just write down a few things that this means and some ways you can practice it and then eventually start practicing as opportunity comes. It's not mind clearing when you're pondering the scripture, so you don't have to have a neutral zone, a Zen zone. Your mind is supposed to be filled with Christ. Remember the the First uh, Corinthians two fifteen says that we should have the mind of Christ. We don't have an empty mind. That's what the world says. They think they're trying to have peace by an empty mind, but peace comes in the presence of Christ Himself. So it's not mind clearing. Um, read Ephesians five ten. I just quoted it for you. Um, and what is the conclusion of pondering on this truth? Find out what is pleasing to the Lord. What do you think is the mo- main point? Find out what is pleasing to the Lord. What's the main point? <laughs> Jamie's got the answer. He just said it. Yeah. Whatever I do, it should be pleasing to the Lord. Now, that's a pretty easy way of, you know, you should say it that way. You can say a lot of things. That, hey, I'm about to get involved in this. I'm about to get along with that. I'm, about, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Is it pleasing to the Lord? Not what rule did I break? Is it pleasing to the Lord? Um, here's the Bible study process before we close. Uh, preparation, how you approach the word. You should be in prayer. You want to sit down and read the Bible? You just need to ask God to forgive you your sin. You need to, have, you need to be right with the Lord first. Okay? It's not just an exercise. It's a spiritual journey. It's a connection between the spirit of God 
and the, and the word of God and your heart for God. And so many times before we get up and teach, I have time to pray and just say, Lord, I'm, I was angry about this. I, I said this I shouldn't have, and I thought this and I shouldn't have. And I just go through this whole process in my mind. Brian does it all the time. You can see him up on the front. He's praying. Sometimes we're all standing and singing. He's down there praying. They're like, why didn't the pastor stand? Because he's cleansing his heart. He's talking to God. That's why. He thinks more about the scripture than you do because he's, he has to get up there and teach the word of God. And he's going to be held accountable for what he teaches us. And his heart has to be right. That's the truth. That's the truth. Pray for guidance. Uh, confess any sin. Observations, the next one, ask good questions. Solve the questions about the passage. So you're looking at the passage, who's he talking to? What time frame was this? What was about to happen? What are the other scriptures that formulate that? You can't cherry pick something out of there and use that. Um, you're trying to ask good questions about the passage itself. And then what are the key words there? Like you can take 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, chapter 1 and 2, and 13 times use the word wisdom. So if you use the word wisdom 13 times in the Old Testament, Sophia. So if you had 13 times used wisdom, what do you think the theme is? You see what I'm saying? So we have to look for those things. Be observant. Um, what should you look for? Uh, who is the scripture talking to and why? Uh, the study process, uh, we have to interpret it. What does it mean? I'm going to go through this because I already talked about it. What are other passages say about this? You don't want to build one doctrine around one verse. One verse. I've, I came from the church in Nazarene, Arminian theology, Methodist church. I was an elder there for, I don't know, 11 years or something. And I was always upset because they cherry-picked one thing out of there. Sanctify them through and through. I must have gone through it a million times. First Thessalonians 5, 23. Sanctify them through and through. See, that's entire sanctification. You, don't, you can't cherry-pick one passage and build a doctrine around that. You can't. you got to connect other scriptures to that. What did God mean by what he said? Check your Bible tools for clarity. Even Brian does that. He goes like five or six guys after he exegetes everything. If he writes everything down, he goes through it. I do the same thing. I make my own outline. I go through everything. And then I say, I better check and see. Go through this. Go through the doctrine book. Go through this. Yep, I'm on the right track. That's exactly the word. Yes, that's the word I'm trying to capture. Yes. Scripture doesn't contradict each other, so don't worry about it. There's continuity, 1,600 years by 43 different men, some 38,000 scriptures from beginning to the end. Can you imagine? They, they connect. Nothing contradicts each other if you take it in the right context. Nothing, no matter what the liberals say. Here's the one that I think is a problem, and we'll end on this one. There's when you take something out of context. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them, he repeats. So the Spirit of God is there when two or three gathered in my name. True or false? I mean, we use this all the time, don't we? I mean, there's a lot of people do that. They say, that come up to me when I was pastor of church, like, Pastor, come over here. I want you to pray with me and John. I said, Why? He's like, Well, we're two or three gathered, you know, we'll be in the to pray together, and so the Lord will hear our prayer. The Lord hears your prayer if you belong to him. That's not what that meant. This was this Matthew 18 was taken in the context of church discipline. The decisions they make together in church discipline, God said, I'm, I'm there amongst you. 
And what you bound on earth, you bound in heaven. What heaven is loose in heaven is loose on earth. And so he's, he's talking about in the context of, of church discipline and the gathering of the leaders for that. He wasn't saying that some mystical thing. So what happens is in loose Christendom, they, they use scripture like this. They jerk it out of, out of context. Um, and so they look at Nehemiah building the wall. They look at Joshua and how he did some of his things. And they try to replicate all that when God used that in the time and the context of that day and time. So know what it means and who he's talking to. It's not more spiritual to replicate something in the scripture without knowing the context of that. Because remember, most of these things that people are replicating, uh, in the Old Testament, my, bro, my son, my, one of my older boys is uh, an Old Testament guru, and he knows everything about the Old Testament. i got to listen to him. But I said, okay, at the very end, I said, I know, but the problem is we live in a New Testament. We're in a New Covenant. No, it's, it, it, he didn't abolish it. He fulfilled everything. But he didn't, he, we're not, we're in the new covenant. So what does the new covenant say about that? You know, blowing a horn and sacrificial and washing your hands. And what does the new, what's the new covenant say? I always ask him, and he gets mad. Well, oh, I got to go. I'm not going to listen to you, you know, talk to me about the new covenant. Well, that's where we live. I mean, you should be living, you're living in the new covenant if it's Jesus Christ. So make sure you know what you're talking about so you don't take the scripture out of context. And if you have a problem with that, I just, I just text Brian and say, what do you think about this? And he's helpful. Um, application. Practical theology. This is a good point. Only what you apply, only what truth you apply counts for change. Change is not automatic. You've got to repent. You've got to move in another direction. You can't be humble. You've got to be convicted. Then you turn. And then you apply it. You humbly start obeying. And you step out in obedience by faith. And then the spirit happens. And your heart's changing a little bit at a time. So again... Only what you use in application really counts. It's important. How's a passage address my own heart and life? That's what I do. I write it down, pray about it, think about it, look for different ways. Sometimes even bring it to my wife and say, what do you think about this, this, and that? I talked to her tonight about one thing. She's like, yeah, I think that's, I think that's key. You know? So I like to get some feedback. Uh, application is to believe it, think about it, and practice it. Okay, so application is critical. Where a person won't obey God, you don't love God, you don't obey him. If you don't love God, you won't obey him. If you don't obey God, you can't say you love God. If you love me, keep my commandments. Amen? Questions, thoughts, or comments? Okay? So you have this text with you. You can go back to MacArthur, download that if you want. I gave you the answers to lesson number two. And we'll do the same thing with three. Um, his God, his character, and his attributes. It's very key next time is the key, the focus, and it's the difference between the weak, man-centered gospel and the Bible gospel uh, is to know the, the character of God. Very key thing. So we'll be prepared to do that next time. No comments, questions, thoughts? Okay. I didn't, hope I didn't put you to sleep. Hope it was helpful. Okay. Father, grateful for your goodness and grace. Uh, be with us as we take this serious. It might be the most serious lesson uh, for us in our journey. And by providence, that means your uh, sovereign work in action, that we can actually see it, is happening right here. And everybody in this room subject to listening to this because you have something you want to say to someone that they would turn and practice the scripture and see the joy in this amazing, timeless text of your beautiful 
precious word. We love you and praise you. Bless my friends in this room and uh, protect them all from the evil one in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.